the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Well, welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 288. Today is the 14th of June as we record. I'm Paul Spain. I'm uh, Nate Dunn. Welcome along, Nate. Good to have you back on the show. Oh, good to be. I can't believe you're at 288 episodes. That's crazy. Well, you've been on a few of them, mate. That is crazy. You're just you're not that far off. Well, you are a little bit, but you're not that far off having one episode for every day of a particular year. That's a good. How long's the podcast been going? We've been going over five years now, and uh, yeah, I mean sometimes we have special episodes from extra events and so on. So we we've got probably more than fifty episodes a, a year. Oh, so, very cool. Uh, yeah, nice. Actually, we must be. Yeah, we must be heading towards six years, mustn't we, at that rate? Anyway, let's jump in. Now, first up, there's a cool gadget that you and I have been playing around with. This is not a smartphone, which is probably the most common gadget that we tend to get to uh, play with that can be quite cool. Um, this is the new Elite Book Folio from, uh, from HP. Not from Hewlett Packard, from HP, because they're now HP, having uh, split themselves up into two companies. HP producing the uh, the printers and the uh, the personal computers and so on. You were quite sort of taken with this one, and it seems to be the general impression when I show it to anybody is, ooh, that is a very, very slick, sleek, and light laptop. It's a business. It's a business machine, so it's not a low cost laptop. Uh, these will typically probably be over the three thousand dollar mark, uh, depending on what sort of specification. I think there'll be some under that. Under that price, but they're uh, they're certainly at the the higher end of things. What was your impression, just from a, a quick look? Really nice, like really really nice. It's nice and slim. I think the definition. I'm not sure if this is a technical definition of a business laptop, but in my mind, a business laptop must be dockable. Um, yes. Whether that's technical or not, I don't know. But it's got the the two. Is it USB? No, it's the Type C ports, isn't it? USB Type C, oh, uh, con- USB Type C connections on it. Yeah, and um, sitting sitting there on the table, we've also got the the USB C Thunderbolt uh, dock from uh, from HP. And the thing that we're moving to is this is this world where things are actually standardised and much simpler. So when you put and and I'm uh, we're recording the podcast uh, this week on the Apple MacBook not the Pro or the Air the MacBook which is actually got a, these two devices have got a lot of similarities they they're both really slick metal cases and yeah if you sort of took the logos off uh, the two and you weren't very familiar it would be you know there there're a lot of similarities i think you know people would pick the difference between the two but there's there's a lot of similarity in terms of their style but we're moving to this the standard where usb c becomes the the port that can both charge the laptop and also provide your external connectivity for smartphones for linking out to monitors and all the other bits and pieces that you would connect to. So on the Apple front, uh, Apple haven't yet produced a dock, but HP being so focused uh, on the business market, particularly with uh, with this model, is there? there's a really nice uh, dock. Internally in, inside the um, this particular one, inside the Folio uh, G1, you will find that this Elite Book um, has the smarts to really take good use of those USB ports. So what that means is the external uh, dock is using Thunderbolt technology, and that dock sort of carries uh, monitor 
and network port connections which are sort of linked through back into the device. Whereas if you plug the same dock into the MacBook, it's not able to take advantage of, of those things. It will, it'll do charging, uh, but it won't take advantage of those, uh, those capabilities. It's an absolutely gorgeous dock. Like it's, it's probably the size of, of two cigarette packets if you put them sort of end on end. And I can see that it's got two display port. I'm amazed it's got two display port monitor plugs. It's also got VGA socket, so you've got three screens there. Just thinking about my own application, I've got... I don't two... know how many screens you can run concurrently. I know you can at least run, run the two. You can... You don't uh, think you can run you all can, three? You can definitely run a 4K screen off it as well. So it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty capable. And it's got, the two, it's got two USB on the front and back... And USB-C on there as well. Yeah, USB-C I can see as well. And then you just stock standard Ethernet and a Kensington lock. It's so, like, it's ridiculously little when you think about, like, the HP that I've got, I've got the Elite Book as well, but it's a few, well, quite a few generations older. And that's where you sort of sit the laptop on top and, and it's got a, a mechanism that clicks into the side. Whereas this is just, it's very similar to the Surface where you've just got a plug that you just, whereas the Surface one I think is magnetic. This one obviously isn't, but you've at least got the, the ability to use the USB Type-C sockets. Yes, and because we're using a standard here with USB-C, this becomes a dock that, you know, over time we'll see these, well, we're already starting to see a few on the market uh, from a few vendors, including at least one, I think, that's gone up on the likes of Kickstarter. We, you know, you're getting these universal docks that can go from one one brand of, of laptop to another yeah. rather than having these proprietary docks. And, of course, one of the challenges with the proprietary docks, of course, is that the connector, you know, only works Doesn't with a, a particular brand, but also that brand will will chop and change in terms of what's compatible. Now that we're using a USB C, we may get slightly longer lifespan. But you know, of course, people will be wanting uh, better and better things over time in terms of ports and connections and so on. But uh, I think you know, this is a really good a good move. It's certainly good for uh, for users and and consumers having this technology. Uh, become available. The big decision for me as a, a business user is I've already got a dock um, which I use with my laptop is that if I was going to jump to the next generation of laptop or, or, or change to surfaces, I'm having to buy two lots of docks because I've got one at, the, at one at the office and one at home because um, I run the I've got tri, I've got three screens or tri screens um, with the exact same setup, um, yep. which I find really helpful because like say my same mouse, same keyboard. So it means that if I'm working from home or working at the office, it's you know very seamless. So for me, having it's a bit like the EU when they pushed through that everything had to use micro USB as chargers instead of coming up with all you know every manufacturer coming up with a, a weird and wacky um, charging port unless you're Apple. Yeah, standards is so the way to go, and it means too that in an office you don't have to be so specific about looking at different laptops if you're hot desk and going, oh no, we can't look at that um, really high end laptop because. Um, it's not going to fit the docks that we've got, or we can't look at that low end. Like it just it, it makes life so much easier. Because I know when I've gone to get a, a client a new laptop and the the models changed, you're always ringing the distributor, going, "Hey, look, they've got docks. Is it going to fit the current dock, or am I going to get out there, get it all configured, and then go, this doesn't fit because it's the next generation up?" Yeah, I mean, it it will. There still will be some complexity. So there are different profiles in terms of the amount of juice that a, a laptop might need through USB C, for instance. And so you'll need a dock that can drive enough power. I think I saw an article on online, uh, might have been Kensing on the Kensington website, that listed off five different profiles for for levels of of juice that are that a laptop might need, so you need the right thing there. Um, as I mentioned, this particular dock actually isn't going to work with the uh, the MacBook, uh, for instance, other than powering it. So, yeah, it's 
it seems good, but it's not. It's maybe not, not quite quite yeah. as as good as what we might like because well, as simple as we might like. Um, the, I think overall it's pretty good, but vendors will have a choice of what actually goes into their devices and what they want to communicate over that USB-C connection. So you've got one you know, universal type of connection, but the types of technologies that, that might be enabled will, uh, will vary from device to device, whether it's you know, Thunderbolt and so on. And if anyone hasn't had a chance to use the USB Type-C connector, I've got it on my um, Nexus 6P, and I blogged last week about the new Huawei P9, which has also got it as standard. It is such a fantastic plug. You don't realise... Like even just the reversibility of it, like plugging your phone at, at night before you go to sleep, or when I plug it into my Apple fans have had that for a number just, number of years. I know, the but Android we've struggled, and it's like, and you do that thing where it's it was right, you push it in, and it's the right way, but it just doesn't go in. So you flip it upside down, and then you end up putting it back the way it was, and it goes in like it's that you know mandatory three way spin. It's so good, like highly recommend. If next phone upgrade to it, it just it's those little things, Paul. I know Apple's had it, but it's just those little things. Okay, okay. Now, one other device from HP, and I'm waiting to get some more time with this, just had a little bit of a hands-on play, is HP the HP Elite X3. Now, this is, you might call it a smartphone from HP, and they haven't released a smartphone for some time. Of course, some years ago they bought out, uh, they bought out Palm, and they were going down that track. Um, but the... X3 and and the name sort of gives it away a little bit. It's a um, a phone with multiple form factors, so you can use it as a straight Windows phone, and it's quite beefy. It's got pretty high um, high specs, and it's got a fingerprint reader as well as a um, iris scan or facial recognition type uh, type camera. But you can also buy for it a what's called a lap dock. So you've got this phone there. You link it into the laptop over your, uh, U- I think, a USB-C connection, and the laptop actually has has no intelligence in it. it. Doesn't have a CPU in it. Doesn't have storage or anything. All it's doing is getting driven entirely off the phone. And oh, so yeah. the laptop lets you run the applications that will work on um, on the on the phone, but of course up at a at a um, full screen type uh, size. So you're able to run your office applications, your email, web browser, th- those sorts of things. There are more and more applications that are becoming available that will uh, that will support working using um, using that that method, uh, which is, is the continuum uh, technology. And you can also just get a standard dock, so you can just plug it into a uh, a keyboard and a and a mouse and so on at your uh, at your desk. And it supports your remote desktop type technology. So those in, a, in an organisation that maybe wants to have hosted uh, computers or um, virtual machines that people will be uh, linking into, virtual desktops and so on, that would allow them to, uh, to hook in and utilise that technology. Um, but HP are also talking about offering a service themselves through Microsoft's Azure Cloud where people that want to run traditional Windows applications that wouldn't run directly on the phone will be able to run from their cloud and then you'll be able to access them through either this laptop or through a, a standard keyboard and mouse that's linked into the to the phone um, either wirelessly or, or via um, by the, the the physical uh, dock so it's um, it's quite an interesting M- approach mental I think absolutely mental where the where tech is going and do, I- you, do you think people will will 
jump on on board with this concept, the idea with all the intelligences in your phone. It's been talked about for many, many years, and you know we've sort of seen a, a variation of this in uh, Microsoft's Lumia 950, but this sort of takes it a step further that allows you to actually link it to a, uh, well, a, it, it a, becomes, a, a laptop. Yeah, it becomes your, your all-in-one device. I think, I think so, but I've got a bit of a u- unique use case. And as a, a software developer... Can sync everything um, in, in code repositories, which is fine. But often you've got settings and other things on your computer. And I used to have a little um, portable computer when they were when they came. You know, the real small factor ones, the sort of ones you use on the train or the bus or whatever. And it was really good. But I was constantly jumping on that and trying to get a file or a setting that was different on my laptop. And I just do everything on my laptop now. And that's why I've got the two docs and everything. I think having everything on your phone, if you said to, said to people, you can drop it in here. Um, if you're out on the road and someone's like, oh, what was that price we said to that client in that spreadsheet, da, 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 and you can bring it up and it's right there. And I, I think people will go for it. I think um, it is nice to have it all distributed, but if you've got one device that you can use everywhere, like for me, that would be a dream. Drop it in, Bluetooth or um, USB keyboard, mouse, you, you pop it in your three screens, come up and you're away, and then you got to leave the office, pull that out, and away you go. I'd I'd sign up tomorrow. I, yeah, I don't I think it's going to. I don't think it's going to support three screens, but we we will get there. Like, yeah, it's, absolutely. It, you're, you're definitely going to get there. I just when I, I remember seeing this uh, announcement, you know, a couple of days ago, whenever it came out, and I was blown away. I was like, "This, I'm so excited. This is like, yeah, I would sign up tomorrow if it was available. It's, it looks like such a cool innovation, being able to run everything off your phone. And I wonder when you know smartphones first came out. I wonder if anyone ever predicted that this is. The path that we're eventually going to get to, where you know people, you look at someone with a laptop, you're like, "Why have you got a laptop?" Yeah, like yeah. just run it off your phone. Everyone does that. It's, it's so strange. Why are you still using a laptop or a tablet? Yeah, I don't know. Well, the, the phone is a thing that we've all got with us, right? So it's that, that convenience of being able to work from uh, work from anywhere without carrying too much too much else around. So, mm. um, I th- you know, I think that the good thing here is that HP are looking at different ways to work, and we're going to see over time whether people are enticed by this, whether it sort of lines up and works for them or whether there's a little bit of a, f- a further way to go. But this is where Microsoft, I guess, are pushing hard with Windows 10 as that sort of universal um, um, environment to develop apps for. And they're, you know, they're pushing to try and get that billion billion users on Windows 10 within the two- to three-year time frame. So there's so many users to then developers who, who maybe stayed away from Windows, developing for Windows Phone, We'll we'll just offer them in a format that works across Windows Phone and Windows 10 because it's it's basically the same app anyway. There's not much more work yeah. for them to deliver it on the phone. But that has obviously been a, been a shortcoming for them, uh, you know, in recent in recent years that there's been those missing apps. I, I think too, and, and just think off the top of my head, I think as a business owner as well, it's going to bring a, a big cost saving to a company because you think now that if you bring on a, a new staff member, I know it, it depends on what role they're in, but if you bring a new staff member. By minimum, you're getting them a new laptop and a, a, a phone if that's part of their agreement. So if you cut out that laptop part and it's just the phone, there's a huge saving that you know onboarding isn't well that from the hardware point of view, onboarding becomes a lot less of a cost and a lot easier because you're just like, oh, there's your phone, that's got your thing, drop it in the dock, and away you go. Yeah, uh, I think um, I think there's a, there's a lot of potential for for this, and yeah, Microsoft are doing some smart stuff around their uh, their Azure Active Directory, which uh, you know m- most businesses today would tend to have people logging into a Microsoft Active Directory environment uh, if they have a have a server within their within their business or have have servers. So obviously at the at the um, at the big end, organisations have many 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 servers, and Active Directory is, is a key component of that has been for a long time. But now Microsoft are moving to 
offering this um, Azure Active Directory, so cloud-based Active Directory, and uh, Windows 10 and the, the new phones, the new Windows-based uh, phones and devices like this H- HP um, X3 are able to log directly into that Azure Active Directory in the cloud. So it um, becomes very easy for, for, uh, for devices to be able to link in, get set up and, uh, and get up and running. And they don't have all the same uh, capabilities as somebody logging onto a local network, but over time I'm sure it's they will. Get, it's all mature um, up and get there. Yeah. So you just log in with those credentials and, and suddenly you know, your, your device starts lighting up with all these bits and, bits and pieces that, um, that Azure Active Directory knows about, which is, um, I think, is it, pretty interesting. I've been using it on, on one of the devices I operate rather than lo- logging into the, um, the local Active Directory within, the, within uh, my business. And, um, yeah, it's, it's not a bad experience to, um, to, to get started. The whole picture's not quite there yet, but there's, there's, some, there's some niceties of it as well that you don't get with your local Active Directory. So, um, yeah, very cool. Now, um, some pretty big announcements really today when we look at, um, look at today's news. Apple, Microsoft, Sony, there's all, all sorts of stuff going on. We've got uh, E3 happening, of course, there. Uh, was that San Diego, I think? Yep. And so, as usual, there will be lots and lots of announcements for all the gamers. There's masses of game announcements, some really cool stuff coming through there. Um, we're not really going to drill into uh, into those this time around, but we have in the last few days have Sony announcing their um, basically a higher end version of the uh, the PlayStation Four that they're going to charge a bit of a premium for, which will work with ultra high definition or four K uh, TVs and screens and be better geared up to uh, deliver the best performance on the um, PlayStation uh, VR uh, on Sony's uh, virtual reality headset there. Um, and along, well, just today we've had Microsoft's announcements, which is an Xbox uh, One S, which is a slimmed down Xbox One. And, uh, yeah, quite a bit smaller, really. It looks probably uh, maybe half the volume uh, almost of the existing Xbox One, which is a reasonably uh, big device. And then they're, they've also got a higher end um, Xbox One uh, coming further down the track that will also support the um, the 4K or ultra high uh, definition uh, screens. So that is is kind of curious that we're seeing this change because we've looked at the last generation of gaming consoles, Nate. You sort of had there for ages. There were changes, but, but they weren't they weren't like this. They weren't sort of really a, a big bump in terms of you know computing power and and capability with the new models. It was more about bringing the power down, smaller power bricks and bits and pieces. It wasn't. Within a generation, you're going to get the these sort of variations. Yeah, I, I think the the big thing I got out of those announcements is that we're going to see newer consoles, better stuff, quicker. For, from what I was reading, and yeah, it's a, a major change from the old strategy of look, the platform's been well tested, it's been well designed, not as high in spec, but still get the job done, and let's just pump out games there front and center. And now we're moving to no, we're going to start refreshing this hardware quicker. Yeah. So. And the other interesting thing that we're sort of starting to see Microsoft's vision come together on is this concept of a game being across multiple um, stores. And we started to see that initially with apps that you bought a, bought a, a game or an app on, uh, on Windows Phone or Windows, you could get, you know, vice versa, you could get access to it on the other platform. And now that uh, Xbox is, is based on Windows uh, 10, 
you're able to buy a game on the Xbox and then actually run it on your PC and have it, you know, pulled down onto your PC or or vice versa. So, you know, you 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 pay once for a game, but then you choose your pay platform that you platforms. that you that you want to run it, and uh, you might you know decide to fire it up on you know on your on your PC or. Or maybe you you got a laptop while you're while you're on holiday and you have a bit of a play on there, uh, but you do your more serious gaming maybe on your um, on your console yeah. at, at home sort of thing. So Microsoft are really working hard there to gain some benefit in owning the you know the desktop operating system and the and the market share they've got there, which which is still you know pretty massive today the market share that they have in, in gaming with the xbox one obviously not a, not as big a market share as as sony there but uh, you know they're not they're not doing too too badly uh this time around and then of course they're really struggling market share on the phone front but bringing those together i think they've got a they've certainly got a got a dream that that's going to uh going to benefit them being across all three uh, this approach seems to be seems to be making some sense, don't you think? Because they're, they're probably the most uniquely targeted company to be able to do it. Because Sony really doesn't have the other parts of the business that they do. Apple has those parts, but doesn't have the gaming part. So really, really Microsoft's got a, a, a bit of a, a competitive edge on that. That they can have that that sort of spread across the the different platforms and the, and and be able to offer that. Like well, I guess a, they're all doing something somewhat similar in terms of. Apple are, are making uh, what is now, uh, you know, was OS X now Mac, Mac OS. They're you know, pulling that closer together with um, with iOS on the iPhone, the iPads, and so on. And the, the, you know, you're getting that overlap. Siri that's on both, and and so on. And then you know, of course, uh, Google have um, have been putting your Android apps now being able to come to your uh, your Chromebook or to uh, to Chrome OS. So I guess there's a lot of similarities that are you know. That, that, are, that are happening, each, I guess, has a different sort of pull. I would say Google probably has the most to gain from pulling, pulling things together. Um, you know, the fact that if you look at how the market share that they have in mobile is, you know, it's just, it's just massive. And that's when, you know, Microsoft are, are really stuck in terms of the, the percentage of the market that they've got there. So I guess they've got the most to gain on the mobile front. Google have got the most to gain on sort of the desktop laptop front if by offering Android apps running on um, running on on Chromebooks and on on Chrome OS, if that really helps them with their market share, which I think it has quite a big potential to do so for them. So yeah, I think that's um, that's that's kind of interesting. Um, now, shall we get on to Microsoft's news? Sure, they've been busy shopping. They have. They've did, they've spent. Did some, anyone uh, quote? I don't think there was any rumors about this, did they? It was just sort of. Boom, we've bought them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, LinkedIn is now, um, well, it's, it's Microsoft are going through the, through the pro- process of, a, um, of an acquisition. Obviously, there's uh, their shareholders and so on that, um, you know, there, there's a process they have to go through to, uh, to do that. And these acquisitions usually actually take quite a, quite a long time. Um, I, I haven't looked at the share price at all, but I did, you know, I did see something earlier on the day saying it had... Uh, it had shot up fifty percent today, so I guess that must line up with what uh, what Microsoft are, are offering uh, per share. Um, the timing of it was reasonably canny, though, because if you look back uh, a period, LinkedIn shares were double what they are or what they were uh, before this announcement. So 
um, the premium that they paid as a as a as a fraction of uh, yeah. of of the level that they would have had to pay um, going going back six six months ago. So um, you know it was probably in, in their books it wasn't a bad buy. Yeah, I'm sure they're they're pretty pleased with the potential for this acquisition. What do you what do you see as the as the the potential they've got their uh, you know Microsoft CRM and then they, they you know they've got that ability now to maybe be able to link up um, their CRM system to this inc- incredible database of, of yeah. a, a large chunk of, of people certainly in the Western world that are uh, that are working in professional roles and huge amounts of data about them. Yeah, I was reading somewhere that it, it said one of the potentials that they could have is that you could have you could add three or four people to your Outlook calendar invite. And then, or, or you get invited into um, an invite, sorry. And then you could actually, it would tie in all that data from LinkedIn so you could get a quick glimpse of, oh yeah, this is this person's role and, and this is their history and this is this person's role and this is their history. So it's, it's sort of just bringing in those loose ends um, together. Um, do, you use, do you use LinkedIn much as a, a business owner? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely use it on a on a regular basis. It can, you know, be all, all sorts of, uh, you know, you have a somebody calls you up and it's a potential new business opportunity. You tend to look them up, and LinkedIn is often the first place you'll get an answer if they're not regular on on other social media channels. And it gives you a bit of a view on what their background is and and where they are. Um, looking for people to interview for, for instance, New Zealand Business Podcast. That gives me a little bit of a view on on, on who they are. There, there's quite a few uses for it, and obviously, going through in the recruitment process, it can mm. be uh, it can be pretty handy. You know, I guess it depends how you do business and, and, and what you're doing. But I would imagine LinkedIn is probably a pretty useful tool to uh, to most people in business. Yeah. How, how about you? I suppose I, I'd probably be the opposite end of that spectrum, where I've got a I've got a profile. Um, I've got a few connections. I get the odd person connecting to me, and if I've had a meeting, I'll tend to connect to them just to to sort of keep that relationship alive. But for recruitment, I've I've never used it for signing up new business. I've never used it. Whether it's just I don't understand the the uh, potential of the platform, but yeah, I've never I've never really been been able to sort of monetize any business relations from from LinkedIn. It's more of a for me, my LinkedIn page is more an advertisement of what. I've my career and, and the uh, different companies that I'm involved with. It's yeah, I've never, I've never really used it to to grow my business or anything like that. So I'm, I'm well, probably you probably should be. I probably should. Eh? I should probably really sit down and learn a little bit more about LinkedIn. But I've never been a never been a mess. I've had a LinkedIn profile for a long, long time. I've I suppose in my head the the primary use for LinkedIn is I've got a professional portfolio of everything I've done and so when I go for a job I can just go yeah I'd shank LinkedIn this is all my stuff this is who I am oh well that, I mean that's that's helping you business wise isn't it mm, as mm. a business owner but I haven't had to go and get a job for a few well you years, wouldn't so. you wouldn't be going to get a, a job but you'd be going to get a, a project for a you know you'd you'd use it from that perspective wouldn't you or uh, you, you I mean you'd you certainly expect people to be looking you up that way. Yeah, you know, I when think people builds, come across Nate Dunn for the first time. They're going to Google you, and yeah, uh, LinkedIn's it, going to be somewhere in the results. It, it comes, yeah, it gives you a bit of a clout, I suppose, and, and shows what you're involved in. And I, I, the one thing that does perplex me and still does to this day is, I can see if you're a recruiter, but if you're paying for LinkedIn, it's really expensive. Like you need to be generating a lot of money in my mind to, to justify uh, the the monthly. It's like eighty bucks, I think, a month, ninety, sixty, something in that range. Like for me, it's like I would need to be doing a lot of stuff through LinkedIn to get. Well, that if back you were again. generating a chunk of business through it, though, then it would make sense. I mean, yeah, the, I suppose you know, when another... you're, you're dealing with clients, you might be doing a, 
I know, typical, let's say, and I'll just pull a number out of the air here, but let's say a typical project for you is $50,000, then if you're paying a, sub, a subscription and you're getting a bunch of business through that channel, true, true. Um, then, you know, Thousand bucks a year or something isn't isn't too shabby. Yeah. Although that's actually one of the that's a, not the big revenue stream for uh, for for LinkedIn today. That's only a, only a chunk. Um, you know they've got a lot of valuable data that um, that that people pay for. Twenty six point two billion US dollars was the acquisition price, and that was pure cash as well, wasn't it? It wasn't. There was no shares changing hands. It's just here's a, a lot of briefcases full of a lot of cash. I Off guess. Well, the, the, the likes of Microsoft and, and Google and Apple tend to sit on some pretty big piles of cash, so um, why not? Yeah. So, yeah, paying $196 uh, for each um, share, yeah, premium of 50% over the, um, the closing price of, uh, of $131. So after their recent drop, because they were up to well over $200 a share, they dropped down to... Just fractionally above, I think you know, a dollar, dollar eight, or something like that uh, a share. So um, anyone that bought in at that price, um, be, uh, be 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 quite pleased about their yeah. uh, their, their investment. So um, totally. But their their last forecast was pretty rocky, and um, and yeah, apparently wiped out something around eleven billion in terms of uh, value in terms of um, yeah, the value based on the um, the share price. So yeah, some uh, some pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting times, huh? So that was that was Microsoft's uh, big news. Just spending a little bit of their, um, well, it's not a little bit, a large chunk of their pocket change. Uh, but the other announcements today were all around uh, Apple. Of course, it's Worldwide Developer Conference taking uh, taking place in uh, in San Francisco. They've had their keynote today, and lots and lots and lots of announcements. Lots to uh, lots to sift through. Uh, mentioned before that um, OS X, the Apple uh, operating system for um, for the iMac and MacBooks and so on, uh, is now called Mac OS, and uh, Sierra will be the next generation of uh, Mac OS. So that's coming up. Lots of uh, lots of interesting features around there. There is really quite a lot to uh, to take in. So if you're a big Mac fan, it's actually probably worth spending the um, spending the couple of hours to go through the. Uh, the, the keynote uh, presentation at um, WWDC. A few highlights that that I think worth probably worth mentioning. Uh, a universal uh, clipboard. Now this is um, something other people have um, have been looking at. And but Apple Apple are there, so you could put something. You can copy something, say on your iPhone that you see, jump onto your Mac, and um, you can access that uh, that clipboard. They're doing some smart stuff with uh, storage. So for instance, uh, old files on your um, on your MacBook. Uh, you might be starting to run out of space that can bump those older files so they, they'll sit up in the cloud so you don't have to have everything stored locally, but it, it'll have a, a, a pretty smart way of being able to balance that stuff out and uh, and free up your local storage. Uh, Siri is coming to the Mac, um, so that looks uh, looks good. bunch of stuff happening with, um, with the watch, which is, is good to see. Some of it is a little Google-like, shall we say. So, for instance, there's, um, they've got a scribble feature, which is basically on-screen handwriting recognition. Now, Nate, have you been, um, what have you been doing on the watch front? Because you you'd sort of jumped into the wearables um, I did. there for a little while. Are you, I, I don't see a watch on your wrist today. No, I've, I wear very little jewellery. And, and as someone who got married in February, I also don't have my wedding ring on, which I've just noticed. Very naughty. No, I was actually, I've, I'm about to, or I'm looking at actually getting a really nice, more of a classical watch, just an analogue one. Very boring, unconnected watch. The one thing I do miss, of all the watches I tried, and I tried um, 
all of them. I like the Huawei Watch the best, uh, mainly for um, the low power. Even when it was, in essence, off, and I put that in inverted commas, you could still see what the time was, which yes, I think is yep. quite important. But yeah, I'm looking at getting more of a um, designer sort of nice analog watch, mainly because I don't tend to wear it during the day and I'm trying to move away from... I don't really need the live, the, the real-time notifications, which is a part I really liked. Um, I find that, especially as a developer, you find when you get into that sort of concentration zone, anything that sort of bings up sort of throws it off and it takes you a bit of time to get back into that groove. So I'm, I've, for the last couple of months, I've been trying to be more focused and, you know, we're talking about before we start off turning off notifications and all that sort of stuff to try and stay in that sort of productive coding zone more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I have been using using the Apple Watch for for a while now, and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, the changes. So um, you'll have this dock. You can uh, you know bring you have apps that will basically launch instantly from there, which is is good because apps have been uh, have been you know slow to launch. I like the idea maybe of this handwriting recognition being useful for getting those customized messages out without having to use sort of Siri to dictate because it doesn't always suit. You're not always in an environment where you can uh, where you can speak to your device or where that's convenient. So being able to uh, just scribble on the screen, I think, sounds nice. Um, I'm not so sure about this SOS feature, which they talked about for calling 911 and presumably 111 here in New Zealand. The idea with that is you press and hold the side button on the... Um, on the Apple Watch, I can just imagine if your watch, I don't know, there could be situations Lean on it the where, wrong way or you yeah, where that could get bumped and, uh, and where you end up with basically all these accidental uh, emergency calls. So, um, I mean, fortunately, there's not mega millions of these watches out there, so it's not going um, to bring our emergency services to a halt. That we hope, if um, if there is a bit, a lot of that bumping going on, but yeah, I'm not, I'm just not a hundred percent sure on that. Maybe that's something that you should have to manually turn turn on their their um, activity sharing and and so on. They're moving into sort of a, a, a social mode with that, so it becomes very easy to to maybe um, you know share with with those maybe those in your family of of how you're going with your steps for the day or whatever ex, you know your um, your exercise settings which is, oh, it's a bit more than steps of course mm. but but that information which sounds good um, there's also breathe a simple deep breathing application that will remind you to you know, <laughs> breathe in yeah, smell the roses all that sort of stuff do we need that uh, maybe you've got a high stress job and maybe a, a very sort of bordering on the meditation sort of thing oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's a group I'm sure out you've there mastered, that, that's interested mastered in all these things, and hence why they're uh, why they why they're delivering it. But uh, yeah, so anyway, lo- lots of stuff coming there on the on the TV front. They announced what they're doing there around putting uh, Siri onto the TV, but of course we don't have that voice control capability here in New Zealand. And they've told Apple have told me they've got nothing to uh, nothing to announce uh, down that track today for uh, for New Zealand. So we're we're still waiting. There was a lot of uh, speculation. Of uh, of new Macs being being announced, there'd been a bit of speculation down that track. That seemed to have dried up, and uh, there weren't any announced today. But who knows what's coming tomorrow, right? So, uh, exactly. um, I'm sure we'll see some some new stuff from uh, from Apple soon. Um, they also talked about Siri being opened up for developers, so I'm sure we'll see some some pretty cool new stuff coming out of that. They talked about their Photos app, some interesting stuff there around scene recognition and facial recognition and. How that will work when you when you're searching, um, and one bit that stood out to uh, to me is their home app, which is designed for home automation. So one sort of core application from Apple 
that would ultimately let you um, control things right across your home. Those things will need to be able to talk to um, with Apple's HomeKit. But if you if your devices, and I'm thinking of uh, all sorts of home automation, whether ultimately it could be controlling your air conditioning, your lighting, your door into your house that's um, that's network controlled and so on, security wise, lots and lots of stuff, um, security cameras and so on. That seems like a good approach if they can uh, if they can do it really well because you'd get that that simplicity of it just being a standard uh, operation rather than lots of different apps for different um, different companies' products. What's your thoughts? Because you've been doing some some playing around with with home automation stuff I've, recently. Um, yeah, I've wanted to do a whole lot of stuff at home for a long time, and I don't ha- we're only renting, so I don't have the ability that I can drill holes and bolt things that I as I want to. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, I'm losing my bond. Um, I, th- I suppose the thing that I learned from the the automation that I've done, and mine's very basic. Like it, it, and I blogged about it. If you jump on Geeks on, there's a, a blog about how I've done it and the different control things I've done. Is my very basic one is that when the sun goes down, 15 minutes before the sun goes down, I flick on pretty much the lights and all the lights in our lounge. Very simple. And then um, if we're away on holiday, I get it all to flick off again at a, a set time so that it's not you know on 24 seven. So the the main thing I learned about it is that um, it's not simple. I've got the, the the benefit that I am a developer, so I can send XML commands and 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 broadcast and all sorts of stuff that the devices are looking for um, to switch them on. But if you don't, if you're not that technically minded, you really need to pick a platform. And so then um, there's a, a big service called um, If This Then That. It's I F T T T. I think two three T's, um, and they can do all that sort of switching on. It's really easy to set up, but you need to have a common platform across all mm. your stuff. Mm. The Wemo stuff that I use, um, which I've got in my blog post, which are pretty much Wi-Fi enabled switches that you can flick on and off using your smartphone. Um, they have an integration into If This Then That, where they they do the sunrise sunset thing for you automatically so you don't need to be technically minded at all to, to get that sort of stuff done but yeah some of the automation stuff that I've heard about where you know you can see the the person at the the front door or you can you know create a, a connection to them if they're like a courier you could actually unlock the door so they can just drop it in your kitchen and hopefully leave and not rob you the thing that I'm doing with the lights um, the thing around you know temperature that you've got a temperature sensor and then if the temperature inside drops that the air conditioning turns on or it opens the windows and turns the air conditioning off you know, the sky is the limit on the, the sort of stuff you can do. And and even, you know, I've only got my light switching on, but I love the fact that, you know, I can come home late at night and I'm not trying to fumble around in the dark if, if, if no one's home. Fumble around in the dark trying to unlock. I can unlock my front door, get in, all the lights are on, and then I can quite easily go around instead of, you know, trying to balance your laptop bag and your phone and, and using the phone light to try and see where the switches are. It's, yeah, it's really cool. I, I, I wish I'd owned my own place so that I could, you know, take it to another level, but love home automation. <laughs> Cool, cool. Oh, that, that's good. Oh, the last thing which I, uh, some people might have caught on the um, on uh, that were following Apple's keynote was um, voicemail transcription, which to me sounds like a really good idea because I've been uh, for for many years I've used a Vodafone service where when people call me, if I miss the call, it doesn't go to voicemail, but it goes to an a, an attendant who answers the call and says, "Look, this is Paul Spain's uh, messaging service." And then they will take a message and it comes to me in a text message. So I haven't had to listen to voicemails for um, for a, a, a decade or so, um, actually other than a couple of recent glitches with something in Vodafone's network where some uh, particular calls to my fixed number were actually forwarding to voicemail. But um, anyway, no one's perfect all the time. They broke that. Um, but this would give you a similar capability, except I think that the piece that it needs is visual uh, visual voicemail, which 
we don't have locally. So, uh, so no voicemail transcription for uh, for New Zealand. As I far had as I'm aware. Um, I had the same service uh, message page, I think it's called. I had that for a wee while as well, and then got rid of it. Um, and then the serve we run a, a custom service in house where our voicemails get transcribed. We get them sent to. We forward all our voicemails for the guys in the office to a two talk account that we have specifically set up, which then forwards it. Um, the, the recording to a, a third-party provider who just type it out. The thing I like that you don't um, think about with the, the transcribed voicemail is the fact is, is if you're in a meeting and you miss a call, part of your brain's like, oh, I wonder what that call was about. If you get the text through, you can quite easily see, oh, it's, um, it's a florist and it's, it's nothing important. You know, They've just left them outside. Or if it's, it's something urgent, you can read through and say to your meeting, hey, look, I'm really sorry, I, I need to go and take this call. And visually... Um, it's, you can quickly glance it and, and get a, a, the gist of what's going on, whereas you can't say to a client, hey, look, can I just listen to this voicemail for a second? So visual, you don't think it is an amazing feature, but it is, especially when you're doing a lot of meetings, it, it makes just keeping on top of communication so, so good. So, yeah, it's a bit of a pity that our carriers are a little bit behind this. Because the, the, I don't think we have any sort of, we don't have the ability to bring up an app and then cycle through voicemail, do we? I don't think anyone, whereas in the States, I know, I yeah, so the networks there support support visual voicemail. Um, there are a couple of other approaches to it, and there's a New Zealand company that's that, that's done an app, um, which is only iPhone, I think. Yeah, because I've yeah. yeah, I've got a client who's on it, and I, I remember thinking, oh, it'd be great for me to get, but it, they don't support Android. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's 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 a few approaches there. Look, there's a lot more we could talk about and drill down on onto these things, and we'll uh, we'll certainly probably dive into them a, a, a little bit more over uh, over future episodes, but. That gives people a little, at least a few of the, the highlights from uh, from the announcements today. Would love to hear feedback, and if anyone's got any questions, things that they would like us to discuss on the podcast, then uh, then absolutely feel free to feel free to get in, in touch. You can email me directly if you like. Uh, Paul at Spain is the is the shortest email address for me. So feel free to hit me up there. We're always happy to consider diving into other topics that are of interest to listeners, or if you've got any feedback, then. Uh, yeah, welcome to, uh, to to drop me a note. Now, Nate, we didn't give you a good intro at the beginning. Remind us uh, where you fit <laughs> into this technology world and uh, where people can track you down online. So, yeah, nothing really exciting. So I'm, I'm one half of a, a company called 3Bit. We're a um, software development house that's been around for, I think we're 12 years now, 11 years. And so we're based here in Newmarket in Auckland. And one half of the ownership. There's more than two people in the business, isn't there? Yes, yeah, yeah no, there's about <laughs> five of us in total. So, and I blog on GeekZone and a moderator on GeekZone and... and half in a cafe with my wife and a whole lot of other stuff. So yeah, that's me. And then the easiest way to get hold of me, if you've got any of those sort of questions as well, is just Nate at NATE on Twitter. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's good. Thanks everybody for uh, for listening in. Um, and you can, of course, catch our podcasts at podcasts.co.nz. Uh, our newest podcast uh, launch, of course, is the Food, Family and Friends podcast, uh, which is, is pretty cool, actually. There's been some really interesting episodes uh, coming out. And uh, Vanessa uh, Baxter, who hosts that, has just been in, in where she's been for the last couple of weeks, in Vietnam. So there's some quite interesting content out of that that will be launched shortly. We've got uh, Michael Meredith on the most, uh, most recent episode. So to launch, who has been sort of crowned as, I guess, the top chef in New Zealand at the moment with um, his restaurant uh, Meredith's um, winning some awards and so on recently. That's def- definitely a good listen if you are into food at all and social things, then uh, that that podcast is is all about the sort of the crossover between uh, food and uh, 
and social activity. So um, it's pretty pretty cool and well worth a listen. And we've got some other stuff launching soon as well. Um, if you are interested in launching a podcast, then feel free to uh, to drop me an email as well. All right, that's us for this week. Thanks everyone for listening in. We will catch you next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.